0: Thank you, Peter. Um, as Peter's already said, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the leaders here at the Vine Church. Um, you know, I've gone back to the old way of using this mic, because the little uh, Brittany mic is broken. So uh, gone back to old ways uh, using this mic. Um, we all had a good time at West Point, didn't we, whoever came? We had a good time. Uh, if you didn't come, we obviously missed you, but we hope you had a good bank holiday, and there's always next year. But we had a really good time. And it's great when the weather's great, isn't it? Camping is, is much better when it's not raining, it's not really cold or windy. Uh, so it's the start of a, a new month. It's the start of a new academic year in many ways. So we're going to be starting a new series. And this series is themed Jesus and Life. See, if I was to take a snapshot of you right now, If I was to put a photo of you in there, or you were going to put your photo in there, I could look at that photo and I could learn a few things about you. I could learn uh, by the way maybe you dress, by the way your style, or what culture you're from. You know, by even maybe your facial emotions, I could learn a bit about what you're feeling like. You know, this is a, a photo we took this weekend, of us, guys, that was at the air festival. Who we went to the air festival? Did anyone else go? Yeah, it was good. If you didn't, you missed it. You know, I know it's been going on for 10 odd years, but, you know, we love it. And that was at the air festival. But you could, you could tell a bit about us from that photo. You know, I got a little plaster on my head, hurt my head this week. Um, all healed up, praise God. But it's like, it's like a happy family time. You could tell a bit about us. But if I was to take a snapshot, not of your physical self, but of your life, and how you live your life. The values that you live your life by. See, if I was t- to take a photo of you, I probably cannot tell you the values you live your life by, a bit like that photo. You could not tell. Maybe you could say, oh, they, they, try, they try to live a fun family life, but not really the, some other values you could not tell. But the way we interact with one another we can more likely tell the values we live our lives by. And I wonder if you ever sat down and thought about the values you've lived your life by, or you're going to live your life by. Uh, You ever sat down and took a moment or even time to do it? I expect the answer, and probably most of us, is that we haven't yet. But without realizing it, we all have values in our lives. The question is, is those values that you're currently living your life by are the values that you want to live your life by? That you want other people, like a photo, to think that's how they live their life. See, we as Christians are called to be followers of Jesus. We're called to become more like Jesus. And throughout this series, these next five weeks, we're going to explore some of Jesus' values from the remarkable passage in Philippians 2, verse 5. So if you have a Bible, turn there with me because we're going to read it together. Philippians 2, verse 5 to 11. So for the next five weeks, we're going to open up these and think about Jesus' values and how we should live like Jesus similar values or the same values so here goes in your relationship with one another have the same mindset as christ jesus who being in the very nature of god did not consider equality with god something to be used to his own advantage used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That, at, sorry, at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth every tongue and knowledge of Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. See, values are really important in our life. And actually, over the last months, many months, me and Becky have been talking about values in our marriage. What are our values in our marriage? And you could quite easily sit down and you can list a hundred good and biblical and godly values. But the, the likelihood is that you're not going to remember those values in a year's time, that you've written a hundred lists down, because there is many good and godly and biblical values. But I believe that in in marriages, in in every area of life, we should have values that are important to us. Sometimes we can take values a given, but if we do not communicate our values to each other, we cannot expect each other to treat us like we expect to be treated. Does that make sense? Communication of values is so important. This affects the way we interact in our marriages, in our family relationships, our friendships, with our work colleagues, even the sales assistant behind the counter when we go and buy some new clothes from the shop. Our values will determine how we treat each other. Values will guide us and define us. And this series, we're going to be looking at some of Jesus' values. And I want to really encourage you over the next five weeks is to spend time thinking about your values and say, well, what values do I want to live my life by? But we're going to kick off with the first one. Ask God first. Or in other words, speak to God about it. Speak to God about it. Let's turn to John chapter 5, verse 1 together. John chapter 5. Ask God first. Seems a bit quiet today. You know, you can shout an amen if you want. Thank you. But and throughout the sermon, you know, the next 20 minutes or so, John chapter 5 verse 1. I just want to read verse 19 first. It says this: Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. The Son. See, this conjures up multiple questions and thoughts. Jesus could do nothing by himself. He sees what the Father's doing, he only does what the Father is doing. And whatever the Father does, the Son does. But let's just read the context that this verse is in uh, that's going on. So here we go John chapter 5, verse 1, from the beginning. We have got, have we got it? Maybe not. Yes, we have. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate of Paul, which is Aramaic, is called Beth shida and which is surrounded by five cover- covered coloners. colonies, wherever. colonies, thank you. Here, a great number. See, I'm just checking you guys are on the ball. I was looking for an amen, but yeah, it's good. Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid said, replied, I have no one to help me in the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which he, this took place was on a Sabbath. So the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me wow well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning and all something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Wow. So this is what's going on here. See, Jesus, is he's gone to Jerusalem after the feast. and He's gone to this pool. And it was known at this pool that there would be people that were paralyzed, who were blind, basically sick people, really sick people would go there. And why? Because legend would have it that an angel would come down into the pool, stir up the water, and the first person into the water would get healed. And then Jesus arrives at this pool. He would have known about this. He would have known about this this legend or truth. We don't know, but uh, this is what we uh, understand. And he arrives there, and he picks out a man. And he's been sitting by this pool for how long? 38 38 years. And Jesus asks him, do you want to be healed? See, 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 put yourself in the story, you're at home, you're ill, you've been at home for 38 years, you have not left your house, and then Jesus comes through your door and looks at you and says, do you want to be healed? You're going to be like, serious? Is is this guy serious? 38 years I have been here, and he is asking, do I want to be healed? See, see, I'm not going to mock Jesus here, because Jesus is Jesus. Jesus but I would say his pastoral skills are no good. See, if I walked into that room and someone had been healed for 38 years, I would say to them, how are you doing today? You know, how's things going? You know, but maybe that's where I've got it wrong. You know, Jesus says, do you want to be healed? And it gets even more bizarre because the man doesn't even answer his question. It's like the man gets a bit defensive to justify why he hasn't been healed for 38 years. I haven't been healed because... I haven't been able to get into the pool because I've had no one to help me get into the pool. He hasn't even answered his question. And Jesus replies, get up, take your mat, and walk. But when the Jews hear about this, they're critical because it's on a Sabbath. It's unlawful. And then Jesus says these verses, which we read at the beginning. Very, very very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing, verse 19, by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing, because whatever the father does, the son does. He only does what, sorry, he only does what he sees the father is doing. All he does, Jesus, is what the father is doing. This means, Jesus, wherever he goes, whatever he does, whoever he talks to, How he does it, he does it because the Father is doing it. See, Jesus was and is constantly in communication with Father God. When Jesus walked this earth, he was always looking to the Father for direction. He said he could do nothing without the Father. See, this happened 2,000 years ago. This is a question for you. How much does your life live in communication with God? How much does your life live in? Because Jesus, everything he needed direction; he was dependent upon the Father. At the end of July, uh, we went to a conference—me, Becky, Freddie, and Joe—a Christian conference up in London, and it was getting on. It was only three days. The last day was a Friday, and getting onto the last day, and it was actually the last meeting in the evening, and uh, I needed a toilet. I was with Becky and Joe, and we go out of, we were actually in a box in the O2 arena. We go out of the box in the O2 arena, and we, we head for the toilets, and I see someone in the distance I knew, and when I say I knew them, I hadn't seen them for probably about 15 years, and they were a friend, or I don't know if I could even say they were a friend, probably acquaintance, about 17 years ago. And they're about seven or eight years my senior. So when I was like 12, when I, we knew them, it was more of a family friend, he was like 19. So I didn't really knew him, but I, I knew him. Do you know what I mean? Have you seen those kind of people? And I saw him and I thought, I need a toilet. And I said to Becky, I don't want to chat to him. I know it sounds a bit harsh, I haven't seen him for a long time. <laughs> I said, uh, we, got, we, got, we got a meeting started, you know what I mean? So I don't want to chat to him. So Becky was like, You're going to chat to him. I know you're Tim. You're going to chat to him. I said, No, I'm not. So, so I walked towards him. I walked towards him, and I knew the first thing, if you're going to chat to someone, you lock eyes. So I kept my head down all the way. Kept my head down, kept my head down, you know, because if I can't see him, he can't see me. Uh, keep going, keep going. And uh, I made it past him, head to the toilet, and I go to the toilet, thankfully. I head back, and I said to Becky, Becky says to me, you're not going to do it again. You're not going to do it. So I said, yes, I am. I'm going to prove you wrong. I head, head back towards him, head back towards him, and I looked at him, and I had to talk to him. I was like, oh, no. And uh, poor guy, um, or poor me. And uh, 10, 15 minutes later, we're still chatting. And when I say chatting, he's talking at me. Uh, I won't mention his name, but he probably knows who he is. And, uh, and uh, the, the thing was, right, this is the thing, right? Sometimes, sometimes my theory is, if I don't give him eye contact, he won't see me. And I reckon we do similar things with God. If I don't give him eye contact, or if I don't talk to him, he doesn't see what's going on. And I don't have to ask or talk to him about my life or what he thinks I should be doing. Or I don't need to be doing what he wants me to be doing. Because I'm getting on with my life, going to the toilet. I haven't looked at him. He hasn't looked at me. But has he? And we do that with God in our lives. You know, and uh, it's not the perfect example. But it's an example of what we're doing with God. We're not purposely blocking out God in our lives. Never. We would never do that, would we? We'd never purposely block out God. But I'm not maybe don't give God my full attention. I would do anything for God, though. I would go to Timbuktu, wherever that is. It's in Africa somewhere, isn't it? See, See, I'm actually quite a nice person. My problem is I go into doctor's. Amen. Yeah, I am really. No, I go into doctors. I've report, reported doctors have seven minutes with every, if you go to doctors, your appointment lasts for seven minutes. I take probably double of that because like last time I was in the doctors, I asked him about his family. I asked him what holidays going on. I tried to get dog a God, dog, God in, you know, I actually do. And like, literally, I'm out trying, he's trying to push me out the door. So actually, I'm usually the opposite. I just want to give a good light of myself. But Jesus says these words, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only see what the father is doing. Because what the father does, the son also does. I wonder and question if sometimes we as Christians can block out God. No, we don't do it purposely. But we don't include God in the picture. See, there's this great passage we want to read. I'm going to read it. Verse 19, if you've got it on your Bibles. Jesus said to them truly, Very true, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father is doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Verse 20 The Father loves the Son and shows him what he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the Father raised the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. See, you notice three things even from these three verses. Verse 19, the Son is dependent upon the Father. Verse 20, the Son is loved by the Father. And verse 21, the Son is empowered by the Father. See, Jesus, he was dependent and loved and empowered by the Father. We should be dependent we are loved, we should know, we're loved, and we should be empowered by the Father as Christ's followers. See, we've got to be in constant commun- communal with God daily. We've got to be talking to God. God, what do you want me to do today? This is what Jesus did in his life He did. Everything the father was doing, he, he, he followed him. He, he said, oh, I should do this or this or that. You know, you know, oh, God, you want me to say this? Oh, no. But it's a constant communal with God. We can't block out God or, or not show our eyes. You know, I'm not going to give him the look just in case I have to talk to God. And This is county cultural. To ask God first is county culture. Not to put him second or third is county cultural. In the book of John alone, there's six times where uh, Jesus declares, I do whatever the Father does, or he will say, I, I do the will of the Father. But we live in a society that will procrastinate, where we do things later when we should do things now. The other day I was driving up, you know, Dorset Way going into Old Wareham Road. And you go out of Dorset Way, go up Old and Road, past the VW Garage. And as you drive out, there's some big advertisements. And on one of them, it said this, relax now, pay later. That's the hot tub one. I was like, I would have that in my garden. Relax now, pay later. I didn't get it, by the way, sadly. Um, but th- relax now, pay later. You know, people would have done that, by the way. They would have bought the hot tub and paid like five years later and then gone into multiple debts and credit cards, whatever. But that is our society, is that actually, you know, you get the joy now and deal with the rubbish later. And that's part of why we don't ask God first, I think, because in culture, it's like, you know, don't don't ask God first just in case he doesn't want you to do that or he does want you to do that. And we'll constantly push this into our minds Relax now, pay later. It's county cultural, and it's coming at us. Have something good now, and rest, and then pay later. Talk to him later. See, I wonder, when's the last time you asked these kind of questions to God? God, what do you want me to do today? God, how can I be a better parent, brother, sister? God, what are you saying to me today? See, I think as Christians, we don't ask these kind of questions to God. I don't know why sometimes, but we don't. Let, let's turn to Joshua chapter 9. We've got this great passage. It's up on here. The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them and let, to let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by an oath. Really interesting passage. God had commanded the Israelites to not make an alliance with the surrounding nations. The Gibeonites realized their weakness to the Israel's armies and plotted to trick Israel. How? By acting if they were a nation not close to Israel, but far away and saying that we are not a threat. And the scheme was convincing. The Israelites looked at their supplies and believed the lie. They believed they weren't a threat to them. So, what did they do? The Israelites put a treaty for, with them. But they didn't do this. They did not inquire of the Lord. And as a result of their poor decision of not inquire the Lord, they had long-term consequences. See, this sounds familiar sometimes. We've all been in positions where we felt that we've had good information to make a wise decision. But without praying and consulting God first, we later realize, may it, it was a bad decision. See, sometimes in life we can feel like we have the wisdom to make good decisions, earthly wisdom. Oh, or, or maybe you've done it before. But actually, like in this situation, Joshua, he did not acquire of the Lord. We later discover that he was... Serve in his self-interest rather than God's. The Israelites are one example of this happening throughout the Bible. Abraham, you know, he questioned God. He asked God to save Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses even questioned God. He said, "What is His name?" He wanted to know what to say to the people when he asked, "Who sent him?" Joseph. Could you imagine Joseph? You know, the Joseph, the guy who had dreams, not Jesus' father. You know, Joseph. He's in this he's in um he's in prison and he thought he, all his brother's were gonna bow down to him. He would have constantly start questioning and asking God questions, what's going on? David, throughout the whole of the Psalms, is David's talking and communion with God, asking lots of questions. And even Jesus' disciples were constantly wondering what Jesus is doing today. See, asking questions of God should be a normal thing for us as Christ's followers and in our relationship with God. See, could you imagine a society where politicians, officials, teachers, and businessmen and women, leaders who would ask God first? How much more society would be one of integrity, prosperous, and encouraging society? It would be a society we would all sign up to if people would ask God first but this is the thing why I think sometimes we don't so many of us find life repetitive and, re- and predictable but actually God wants to make our life fun and exciting God what do you want to say today God what do you want to do today God, God I've got this meeting today did you want to speak to someone in this meeting? You use me to speak to someone in this meeting. God, I'm with the grandchildren today, God. You know, God, what can I do to impact their lives today? Not tomorrow or, or, or not yesterday, but today. I'm in today. God, I'm, I'm going through this. What, what are you saying in this situation? See, my thinking is this. We've done it so many times. You know, I've gone to work for the last 10 years. I've looked after the grandchildren for the last five years. I've met this person for coffee 10 times already this year. And because we've done it so many times, it becomes routine or to leave God out. And this is what happened in the man in the pool. 38 years he sat there for. He missed and leaving God out. This is what happened to Joshua. He had fought so many battles before. He knew he fought. He knew what he was doing. But he did not inquire of the Lord. And so it ended up in long-term consequences. See, we become self-reliant instead of God-reliant. I've done this so many times in my life. I've gone to work every day for the last 30 years. I've looked after the grandchildren. Oh, I, I've been a parent, you know, for a good amount of time now. And every day we become self-reliant instead of saying, actually, I only do what the father's doing. I should be asking God, God, how can I be a better parent today? God, how can what, are you going to say anything to my work colleagues going to use me today? And this is challenging. This is hard work, you know. To actually to start it and to do it. What if God wants you to do something different? He wants you to say something specific or something different to someone. See, the greatest thing about God, he sees the whole picture of our lives. And unless we're talking and listening to him daily, we can easily miss an opportunity or even get it wrong. So you might be like, well, I don't hear from God. You know, I can sit down for two minutes and say, God, what, what, what do you want me to do today? I don't hear from God. And I think this is the thing, right? Did you know every relationship you have, you communicate differently? So whether that's to a spouse or to a child, a, a friend a work, call, you communicate differently. And that's that's absolutely right because you have different relationships. And I think... This is where God works as well. He will communicate to each one of us differently, but often in the same way. So whether that's a peace inside, whether that's through a Bible scripture or a prophetic word, you know, God interacts with each one of us differently. However, he often, I think he's often consistent in the way he will talk to us. So learning how God speaks to you is really important. So when you can say, God, what do you want to say today? You know the way God speaks. You know it's not just something you made up. Actually, this is the way God talks to me. You can trust it. See, we need to create new habits. New habits of asking God, what do you want to do today? What do you want to do today? A couple of days ago, me, Becky, and Freddie, and Joel, we wake up and we pray together. And... Uh, you know, we just started, me and Becky prayed together every day, but we just started doing it as a family, praying together first thing in the morning. And we asked God, well, I don't know why, but we prayed, I don't even know why, that we could be generous to someone today. And then God gave us an opportunity to be generous to someone. And we just thought, yes, this is an opportunity. And it took us to make us a, a journey out of our way and to do a few things that day to be generous to someone. And I'm not trying to big myself up, but I'm, I'm saying that God... He responds when you have a heart that wants to hear his voice for today. Verse 19 again. I can do nothing without the father. How many of us can repeat that statement? I can do nothing without the father. I reckon that we all probably can't repeat that because we get on with life. I go to work. I do this. I do that. That's just life. But for Jesus, that was a profound statement. I can do nothing. You might be thinking, well, he's different. He's God. And if we think that, we've got it so wrong. Because we are called to be like Jesus. We are co-heirs with Jesus. Jesus is our brother. We are like Jesus and therefore if he says I can do nothing without the father we should be in similar circumstances we can say actually my life I can do nothing every day every morning I need to wake up and say what are you going to do with my life today God we should all be striving to say this we can do nothing without without the father speaking into our lives see how exciting and fun. Life would be how exciting and fun. Work would be or church would be. It could be scary if we woke up every morning and said, God, what do you want to say today? Is there someone you want to do? And God might say, you know, God might say, nothing today. Just get on with life. But he might say, that person you walk past every day, you know, give them a bar of chocolate. Or encourage that person. Go out your way and encourage that person today. Drop that person a text message saying you're thinking of them and praying for them. Ask God first. A value in our lives should be that we should be talking in communion with God. This was something that Jesus perfected. He could do nothing without the Father. I wonder how are you doing on talking to God daily? I want to encourage each one of us to create new habits to ask God first. Have it as a value in your life. That you don't just go in really. I'll do it. You know, I'll do that. Yeah, I'll 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 do that. Yep. uh, You know, I'll. Yep, yep. I'm in that one. Yep, yep. I'll go up to London every week to do this. Not plan to do that, by the way. But you know, whatever it is, where you haven't even spoken to God about it. Let's pray, Father God. Help us, Lord. We want to become more God reliant, says self reliant. Lord, we just don't want to just do life without just blocking you out or or not even looking at you, Lord God. We want to be constantly communal with you and what you want to do in our lives today, God. And I pray that you would just prompt each one of us by the power of your Holy Spirit what this means for us. Maybe it's a slight change. Maybe it's a big change in the way we do life. But let us all have values as Christ's followers is always to talk to you first and put you as our priority and essential focus. In Jesus' name, amen.